good Sunday morning. You're listening to Twyla Southall and L.J. Renee with What Does the Lord Say? This is Christian Talk Radio, here to challenge the status quo. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. But if you want to see a change, if you want a spiritual revolution, if you need a spiritual renewal, stay with us. We are here to inspire to inform and to challenge you to consider what does the Lord say regarding life's issues. Visit our website for information on how you can join us for morning prayer. Access previous podcasts of this broadcast, or you can even now access and download this podcast in iTunes. There is also information to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or even sponsor this show. Visit our website at www.whatdoesthelordsay.com. We would love to hear from you. chapter 22 in verses 31 and 32 it says and the lord said simon simon behold satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat but i have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren and out of the message bible the same two verses say simon stay on your toes satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me like shaft from wheat simon i've prayed for you in particular that you not give in or give out when you have come through the time of testing turn to your companions and give them a fresh start when you have come through the time of testing when you are converted not if but when not if But when we say this or hear this said, when there is something that we believe is imminent, something that we have a strong confidence will occur, something that we perceive others may not perhaps believe will happen. So we say not if it will happen, but when it will happen, because it is going to happen. When suggests that there is a specific time or circumstance. It may be after this or after that, but at the specific appointed time, it could be suddenly, but when it is supposed to occur, it will take place. On the other hand, if describes something that might happen, something that could happen, it even could be a conditional statement. If this, then that, but when is emphatic, if not so much so. When relies on the timing of God. It is a sure thing, but it does happen in a certain time. And isn't that what befuddles us the most about God? It's the timing of God. We'd like God to move when we tell him to move, when we want him to move, when we think we need him to move. But the truth of the matter is God will not be directed or instructed, advised or manipulated by us. With all of our wisdom and knowledge, we cannot make God do a thing. We can't hold him under duress. We can't even hurry God. He requires that we trust him and believe him because he knows what is best for us. So it's not if, but when. 
It will happen, but in the timing of God and depending on what it is, our confidence can be as strong and unwavering as a bulwark, as a fortified defensive wall. But we need to move and make a shift that we stop speaking and living in if, and we need to start speaking and living and believing in when God has already led you to the edge. You're so worried about being stuck out on a limb for God. So worried about what it will look like if you decree and declare a thing and there is no outward manifestation or proof of the thing that you are decreeing. You're so worried about what if God doesn't show up. The truth of the matter is it takes faith in God. We walk by faith. We hope we trust. We have expectations in a God that we cannot see and we believe that what he said will occur will happen just like he said it would happen and we have to have faith and confidence that he is able well able to accomplish what he said the Bible says he will do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think it's not if but when it's meant as a type of precursor or warning to those who hear to compel them to prepare to be ready because it shall happen. There are things in Christ that we need to view in the same light, things that we need to be emphatic about, things that we need to know will occur, things that we need to be fully persuaded about, things that we need to change our conversation to say, not if, but when, not if the Lord will deliver you, but when the Lord delivers you, not if the Lord will raise a standard against your enemy, but when the Lord raises a standard against your enemy, not if the Lord will answer your prayer, but when the Lord answers your prayer, not if God can do it, but when God does it, we know that God can do anything. So the confession of our mouth has the ability to change the very projection of our day. Have you ever been around a gloomy person, someone negative or cantankerous or pessimistic? It makes for a very long and depressing day. I can barely stand too much time around people that are gloomy and depressing and pessimistic. But on the flip side, have you ever been around someone who is full of faith and positive and optimistic? I pray with one such person nearly every day. I call her bubbly. I mean, she's very uh, bubbly in her personality, bubbly in her speech, and her outlook and her outlook is very positive. It makes for a much brighter day, a much more pleasant conversation, more pleasant company to be around. May God send all of us people that are full of faith and courage, those who will declare the word of the Lord and who live like they know God can do anything. Those who have changed their language from not if but when this is the same thing that Jesus was doing here in Luke 22, when he tells the disciples and specifically Peter that there is coming some trials to test you. Your faith will be tested. Your love for me, your commitment to me will be tried because Satan has asked permission to sift you, to try you specifically you, Peter, he's going to try you and sift you. It's going to feel like you 
you are being pulled through a sifter, that every part of you is being tried and sifted and tested and shredded. But don't worry, I have already prayed for you, Peter. I have already prayed for you. And this is the good news of it. Not if you are converted, but when you are converted, not if you come through, but when the trying of your faith is completed, it shall be completed. You shall be converted and you shall be victorious. Not if, but when, and when you are converted, when you are made whole, I want you to go back and strengthen those that remain. What Jesus knew that Peter and the other disciples did not know was that Peter would deny Jesus. And he even told Peter such, and Peter didn't think it was true, but Peter soon realized that it was true. And he did deny Jesus and it made him feel like a failure. It made him feel like he did no longer, he no longer deserved to be called a disciple, a follower of Christ. He felt like he had let God down. If he felt like that, he had betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was depressed and he backslid from serving the Lord over in John chapter number 21. Peter says unto them, I go a fishing before Jesus came and called him to discipleship. Peter was a fisherman by trade. And when Jesus called him to be a disciple, he left his fishing and began to follow Jesus because Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. And so he took Jesus up on the offer and began to follow Jesus. But now that Jesus has died and the disciples don't know where he is, they don't know what is going on. But he is fulfilling the will of God. He is making sure that all of us will have an opportunity to be reconciled to him. He is defeating death, hell, and the grave. He is taking the keys back from the devil. He is uprooting and overturning and supplanting. He is fulfilling the will of his father, God. But they don't know that. All they know is that our that our master, our Lord, is no longer with us. And Peter says, not only is is he no longer with us, with us, but I have been an utter failure in denying that I even knew him in cursing. When I heard his name, I have let him down. I have betrayed him. I have done everything that I swore I would never do. I'm going back fishing because I'm no longer worthy to be called a disciple. So I'm going to do what I used to do because this thing just didn't work out. But what you see after Peter says, I go a fishing, I'm going back to what I used to do is the, uh, the next sentence immediately following. It says, they said unto him, meaning the other disciples, they said unto Peter, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. Peter was a leader among leaders. And when he said, I'm going back to doing what I used to do, they said, well, if you can't make it, then neither can we. If you give up, then so do we. If you're going fishing, then so are we. If you're throwing in the towel, then so are we. If you are backsliding, then so are we. He is a leader among leaders. And Jesus knew it. And that's why Jesus said specifically, 
specifically you, Simon Peter. The devil is going to tempt you and try you and sift you. And it's going to look like he has gained the upper hand. It's going to look like he has defeated you. It's going to look like that he has won the victory. It's going to look like you are utterly cast down and destroyed. It's just going to look like that. But that's not what it is. And in your life, it looks like you have failed. In your life, it looks like you have blown it. In your life, it looks hopeless. It looks like there is no reason to continue. But that's just what it looks like. You've got to go beyond what it looks like and get over to the part of what did the Lord say. And this is what the Lord said to Peter long before the test ever came to him. He said, I have already prayed for you. And when you are converted, not if you're converted, but when you are converted, go back and strengthen your brethren. Well, he couldn't say when you are converted, if there was not going to be a conversion, Jesus is speaking those things that are not as though they were, because he knows that they will be just like he spoke them. He says, when you are converted right now, it looks like you're going through the darkest day right now. It looks like the enemy has won, but that's what it looked like when he gave up his life on Friday. We call it Good Friday, but to the disciples, there was nothing good about it. We call it Good Friday because we know there's a resurrection Sunday morning, but they didn't know that. They didn't have the faith at the point. At that point, they couldn't see it. So it was a dark day in their life. Right now, it looks dark in your life. You are going through the valley of the shadow of death. You are suffering through the valley of decisions. You are going through things that it doesn't seem like you see a way out, but it just looks dark. It just looks dreary. It just looks impossible. But thanks be unto God. He said, when you are converted, not if, but when you are coming out. And then you later see when Mary, the two Marys go to the tomb of Jesus. When they go there to prepare his body, the Bible says they don't find a body there. But what they do find is an angel that is waiting for them that has moved the stone away that has prepared the way so that they can see he has risen just like he said and the angel then says go tell my disciples and Peter Peter's no longer considering himself a disciple so had Mary just gone back and said disciples here's the word of the Lord Peter would not have heard that because he no longer considered himself worthy to be called a disciple and Jesus knew that so he gave him a word specifically, go tell my disciples and Peter. He's still a disciple, but he doesn't feel like a disciple. He's still a disciple, but he doesn't think he's a disciple. So you go tell my disciples and Peter, because he's still one of them, that I have risen like I said. So he made me a promise that he has prayed for me. He told me I would be converted. And now he's reassuring me by telling me again that I do belong to him. And I just want to tell you this 
Sunday morning. It might not feel like you are a child of God. It might not look like you are one of us. You might have walked away. You might have messed up. Your outward appearance may be different. You might have done things that you swore you would never do, said things that you swore you would never say. You might have gone to places that you thought you would never go. I mean, the enemy could have pushed you to a place that you thought never me, not in a million years, but you looked up and found yourself doing things that you not in a million years would have done. But I come to tell you that Jesus has sent word to you that you still belong to him. Even the prodigal son wallowing in the pig pen was a son of God. He said, my son who was lost is now found. He still considered him to be a child of God. God still considers you to be his child. He still loves you and he wants you to come back home. He sent a word for you that he's already prayed for you and your conversion is imminent. It's not if you are converted, but when you are converted. It's not if he will bring you out, but when he will bring you out. But you've got to have a faith and a trust in an unseen God. You've got to say, Lord, I will trust you. Though it's not easy and it looks impossible, I will trust you. Though my nights may seem long and I feel all alone, all my trust is in you. Lord, I trust you. It happened to me 10 years ago. Yeah. I can only trust you. No one else like you do. But it's the thoughts in my mind. I wonder how I will make it. I will make it through. Oh God, but I trust you. Sometimes the pain in my life. Oh God, it makes you seem so far away. Can I get a witness, somebody? But God, I trust you. Through the tears. Anybody ever had to cry late in the midnight hour? Every tear you've had to cry. Through the heartache and rain. Come on, take it up through the tears. Oh, that's right, through the heartache. Listen, somebody's going through something right now and the devil's trying to convince you that there's no way you can make it out and he says you're not going to be able to get out of this situation but I wish somebody would make the devil out of a lie right now and lift your hands and say, God, I will trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to show up but God, I know you're going to do it. God, I know you're going to bring me out. Come on, if that's you, come on, lift your voice and say, I will. Oh, that's right. I'll trust you. Hallelujah. Oh God, I don't know when the pain's going in, but I know, God, you wouldn't put more on me than I can bear, so I trust you, in spite of what I see, in spite of what I'm going through, I trust you, God, you've never left me, I know you love me, that's why I trust you, through the tears and the pain, through the heartache and rain, I'll trust you. It's not easy, but I'll trust you. It's difficult. 
It's downright hard, but I will trust you. It is what is required of us that we put our trust in an unseen God, that we have confidence in his ability, that we, in spite of what we see, in spite of what we feel, that we believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Look at Abraham and Sarah. God made them a promise that seemed utterly ridiculous. It seemed totally impossible. They were old in age. Sarah's body was beyond giving birth to children, but God said the promise would come through her and through Abraham, them together, not you going and getting a concubine, not you doing it your own way, but God made you a promise. And as utterly impossible and improbable and impractical as it might seem, he's going to do just what he said, not if he will do it, but when he will do it. Look at Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Lazarus. This is the one whom you loved. He's sick and he's dying. And Jesus delayed his coming because he wanted them to see the glory of God. Not if God would heal him, but when God would heal him. And that was the problem, the when God would heal him. We could have understood and handled it if you had got here when he was sick. We could have understood and and handled it if you had gotten here before our brother had died. We believe that you are the healer, but God wants you to see that not only is he the healer, but he is the resurrection. Not only can he fix it if it's hurting, but he can fix it if it's dead. He can resurrect the dead. Come over here, Ezekiel. What do you see? I see a valley full of dry, dead bones. Can these bones live? Lord, you know. He wants you to know that these bones can live. The dead can be raised back to life because Jesus can do anything. Not if these bones can live, but when you speak and prophesy to them, these dry bones shall live. When I come and say, Lazarus, come forth, he shall live. It's not if, but when. Look at David. He was anointed to be king over Israel. He was anointed to be king instead of Saul. But after he was anointed, he was sent back out to tend to the father's herd. And then after that, he saw himself running for his life. The one whose throne God had promised him was now trying to kill him. It looked like his life was going in the total opposite direction from what the promise had said. It was not if you will be king, but when you will be king. And that was the problem, the timing of God. It looked like he had been anointed. The oil had run. The promise was given. It looked like he should have been shopping for robes and buying a throne, but he had a lot to go through before he would sit on the throne. It's not if the promise will be yours, but when the promise will be yours. Lord, help us to wait on you, to believe, to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I believe that it will happen just like you said, but trusting you is not easy. 
easy. Believing in you is not easy. Holding on to the promise is not easy. But if I will believe to see the goodness of God, it's not if it will happen, but when it will happen. Look at Joseph. I mean, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and thrown into the pit and then goes to the palace and then gets thrown into the jail, interprets the dream for the butler and the baker and gets forgotten. And you look, it looks like everything he tries to do comes to not just because he had a dream and just because he told his brothers, just because they were jealous, his life has been turned upside down. But it's not if God will bring to pass the dream he has given him, but it's when God will bring to pass the dream he has given him. And you see that God did bring to pass the dream that he had given him. And look at Barabbas. He's sharing a jail cell with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's one who was suffering for the wrong that he had done. It's not if the Lord is merciful to him. It's not if the Lord will show kindness to him, but when the Lord will show kindness to him, he does it when he least deserves it. He does it when it looks like there's no hope for his life, no reason to hope, but then the Lord extends his mercy and his grace unto him. It's not if the Lord will be kind and gracious to you, but when the Lord will be kind and gracious to you, it's not because of your works, not because of any good you've done. The Lord has not dealt with you according to your sin or rewarded you after your iniquity. Psalms 27 says, when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, when they come upon me to eat up my flesh, they will stumble and fall. But it's not if the wicked come against me, but when the wicked come against me, they will rise up against you. They will fortify themselves against you, but God will cause them to stumble and fall. So don't think it's strange when these things shall happen unto you. It's not if, but when I implore you, I admonish you, I encourage you to change your language, change the confession of your mouth, begin to speak over your life. The when God will do the when God will bring you out, the when God will bring it to pass. Not if stop speaking as though this thing might not happen. Stop speaking as though there's a chance that God won't come through. God has never failed you. He has never lied. He guards his word to perform it. All of his promises are yea, yea, and amen. And he will do just what he said. If the Lord has spoken it, he will make it good. If the Lord has said it, he will bring it to pass. It's not if, but it's when. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity and this privilege to come into your presence and to magnify your name, to call upon the name of our God, to bless you, dear God. We thank you that you are our Lord and you are our God. Thank you that you have prayed for us and you have left us promises on record. Thank you, God, that you are faithful and there is no shadow of turning with you. I thank you, God, that you already know the way that we take. And when you have tried us, not if, but when you have tried us, we shall come through as pure gold. I thank you, God, that the trying of our faith will be perfected, Father, and it will be proven that you are faithful and that there is nothing that you cannot do. It's it's not if, but when the Lord has converted us and strengthened us and brought us out that we will stand victorious in Jesus name. Amen. If you have not downloaded the Periscope app, 
please download the Periscope app and follow us on Periscope at tsouthhall.com. Go to our website at www.whatdoesthelordsay.com and on the front tab you can find out more information. May God bless you real good. We thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to Twyla Southall and L.J. Renee with What Does the Lord Say? For information on this program, on how you can subscribe to or access previous podcasts of this broadcast, visit our website at www.whatdoesthelordsay.com. Until next time.